listening to the Exile Hour. Hosted by Kayla Jackson Dills and Evan Phillips. We hope you enjoy the show wherever you are in the world time zones. Remember, be safe, be vigilant, and keep listening. On June 5th, 1968, David Morales, Gordon Campbell, and George Joannides assassinated Senator Robert Kennedy. Welcome to the Exile Hour. I'm Caleb Jackson-Dills. And this is Evan Philip Lipson. Today on the show, we've got none other than John McAfee, Bon Vivant, a man who needs a little introduction, character probably larger than life. Uh, John McAfee is probably most known for uh, creating a... Antivirus software, which I believe is the first antivirus software to ever exist, but beyond beyond that, I guess... He's almost more well-known now for being a meme figure um, following the accusations of him murdering his next-door neighbor in Belize. Um, Well, he was suspected of murder after his neighbor complained about his dogs barking, and then it was discovered that his dogs were poisoned. Some poisoned meat was thrown over the fence. And uh, within 24 hours, his neighbor was mysteriously murdered. And John McAfee is denied um, denied that he had anything to any involvement with his neighbor's death, um, claiming that the Belize government has a, had a conspiracy to. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the why he was a target, but. Evidently, he was a target by the Belize government in his own eyes. Um, McAfee ran for president under the Libertarian ticket in 2016, uh, despite having absolutely no interest in becoming the president of the United States, uh, but rather to give himself a platform to express his own worldview and uh, understanding of how... How much he hates taxes, how (laughs) much he hates taxes and how important cryptocurrency is, which that's after the libertarian ticket, he started the crypto party. And I I think he only did that for, I think, I believe the crypto party only existed for two years. I may be mistaken, though. Mm -hmm. He's running for president again in 2020, uh, I believe, under the. Under the yep. crypto ticket, or uh, li- he's he's trying to get the libertarian ticket. Um, I don't, I don't. I guess Gary. I guess he's competing against Gary Johnson. Right, he lost to Gary Johnson last time. Yeah, and now he's he's trying not to. Um, McAfee, a diverse entrepreneur, has also recently created his own marijuana strain, his own weed strain, known as Dank Minge. All right, let's get John on the horn. East or west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, good. How are Feeling you doing robust. today? How are you? We're doing great. We're doing great. What's that? What is that painting on the uh, wall behind you? Is that the Last Supper? Yeah, it's it the Last be, yes. Supper. Yeah, the real right. thing, the genuine Last Supper, the only one. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I, uh, oddly enough, someone sold me what I thought was the original Last Supper a few years back. So I guess I was wrong. You were deceived. 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was at our house the entire time. <laughs> I understand. All right. So there it is. Would you please just package that up and send it to me? I would appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll get it. Uh, where, where should we address it to? Yeah, that's the problem. See, I, I, I have none. And uh, so you have me at a disadvantage, uh, gentlemen. I believe you are our first guest who may actually be in exile. This is the exile hour. Welcome to the exile hour. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so you, ha- you have the now, distinguished now you have Now you have the right to your name. Yeah, you, yeah, you may be the first. You validated us. Thank you. Um, well, how, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, as, as every day. You got, so any, uh, you got any Thanksgiving plans tomorrow? Oh, is it Thanksgiving? Keep in mind, we're not in America. We're, we're in a country where Thanksgiving has never been heard of. So, um, no, no, actually not. Otherwise, Janice and I would have to celebrate on our own. And every day uh, with two of us is a celebration. So, uh, no, no. No plan. What are you thankful for this year? Good God Almighty, I I can't possibly tell you so many things. Um, first, first and foremost, I'm thankful I woke up breathing this morning at my age. I'm always thankful for that. I'm extraordinarily thankful for my beautiful and uh, long-suffering wife, Janice. Um, many Greetings, things. Janice. Well, let's let's get cracking. Oh. Right. Hello, Janice. Hey, Janice. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, so, kind of unavoidable question to to start things off here. Uh, had to ask you: uh, Have you ha- ever had any personal encounters with uh, Mr. Jeffrey Epstein? And if so, what was your impression of him? Well, if, if I had. I can think of absolutely no reason in the world it would be of value to me to divulge that with someone. Um, and um, I'm, I'm just being, you know, let, let's be practical about the nature of media and the information that you people actually manage uh, to receive. And I'm not, I'm not lumping you in with the MSM. Sorry. This is a, oh, no, it's fine. This is a different format, obviously. Uh, this is not some controlled environment where you guys do the grilling and I do the sweating, uh, nor is it a tutorial, uh, you know, nor is it offensive if I choose to smoke weed on air. So, this is the uh, dank minge? No, God, no, no. That would be uh, self-indulgent, wouldn't it? No. Uh, I, I have to, I, I, I have to uh, give everyone an opportunity. So, As somebody, you know, you've been a figure that, has like drawn a lot of controversy is the main, I feel like your opinion of the mainstream media would be uh, more accurate than most people. Uh, would you say it's as corrupt or more corrupt than people believe? I think it's far less corrupt, but not, the, not that the news is of any value uh, or has much relationship to reality. Uh, no, but they're not corrupt. They're, they're the lowest uh, on the chain of puppets. And they are puppets. They are puppets of uh, the government. Um, the government is a puppet of those who own the world's information, which is who? The CIA, who manipulate the government by the selective release of information through a magical formula they invented in the 60s called need to know. It doesn't matter if you have a top secret clearance like our presidents do, and, and they as well are used to. 
can't just walk into the facility and say, hey, are there aliens here? I've got a top secret clearance. Well, they're not going to be shot just for getting in there. No, they don't tell anyone that does not have a need to know. Even your boss, this is the weirdness of this magic. You can work for someone in the CIA, and Yvonne says, um, who is this informant? And you can say, ah, boss, you know, I, I regret to say, you do not have a need to know. Think of the magic of that word. It's the ultimate veto. But now it's a veto on information flow. So you only allow those avenues of information to flow to the president and Congress, which are advantageous to you. If it's advantageous to you, for example, as the American public, um, you know, to, <coughs> oh, excuse me. You're excused. You're, You're fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, I'm rambling. So let's move on. Well, what do you view today as being uh, perhaps the best form of political resistance? Civil disobedience. I am the prime example. I have I have refused to pay taxes for ten years. Um, I just created a distributed exchange in the cryptocurrency world, which does not do any know your customer or anti money laundering. I'm sorry, it's not my job. Um, and can unfortunately never be shut down. We know nothing about our customers. You don't have to give us an email address and so on. So what I've created, some may call illegal. Well, I, I don't think so. If, if there is a regulation which is unjust and moral and unconstitutional, then I'm sorry. I have the right to disobey it. And if you order me to create something, that allows the government to monitor the people using the thing I've created, then my own reply, and it's always been my reply, is, fuck you. <laughs> well, that's a very uh, libertarian, you know, you're running for the Libertarian Party um, ca uh, candidate candidacy, and it's, uh, it's like you're... A, I like your form of libertarianism where there's a libertine aspect to it, and I feel like that's lost in a, a lot of a lot of these other candidates. I, I, I don't I don't know. I, listen, this is not a contest of personalities here, <coughs> although it may appear to be. Now, this is my second run. I run. <coughs> sorry. Oh, you're fine. <coughs> I, I ran on the libertarian ticket. <coughs> Strong shit. <laughs> ran, ran on the uh, libertarian ticket uh, in 2016, came in third for the nomination. I didn't want the job. I didn't want to be nominated. What a fucking nightmare and waste of time. Because I, I believe it doesn't matter who our president is, whether it's Trump or Clinton or um, you know, God himself. I mean, unless God wants to change the laws of the universe, um, you can't do anything. Our system is an automobile with a frozen steering wheel. It doesn't matter who's driving it, people. It's going where it's going. And nothing is going to stop it until we peel back the curtain and look behind it and see what are the mechanics of the real government of America. It's very simple. It's the CIA and their control of information. And if you can't if you can't see the chain of events to prove this, I'll give you one. Um, 
again, just prior to the Second Gulf War, Iraq was gaining power, and that was not in the interest of the CIA's game plan for the region. So they considered simply assassinating Mr. Dom. The CIA could do as he wished. Then they go, well, no, there was Iceland, the exact thing. So they go, well, we have to bomb the country into oblivion. I'm sorry. Um, so then you go to the president and say, Mr. President, I regret to tell you. Um, we have with 100% certainty that Iraq has um, a ballistic missiles capable of reaching our closest allies in Europe. And they have, unfortunately, Mr. President, nuclear weapons. Now, sir, I, I am not going to advise you on what to do. That's not my job. Uh, my job is simply to inform you of the critical um, pivotal a set of information that we collect. Well, what's, what's our president going to do? Bomb Iraq in the Stone Age, and were there weapons of mass destruction? Were there nuclear weapons? No. We all knew it. Everybody knew it, except two groups of people, the president and Congress, who are briefed by the CIA. And the CIA's truth is way more powerful than what you see with your own eyes, apparently. So no, presidents have no power. They move and they choose and decide at the beck and call of the CIA unknowingly. No one sits down and says, President, do this or we're going to whack you. Okay. Although, when Kennedy decided to dismantle the CIA, they said, well, I don't think we're going to let you do that. And as luck would have it, the president was killed not long after, and well, so the CIA didn't have to worry. The next, the next challenge to the CIA was the president's brother, Bobby, who was going to get his revenge on the people who killed his brother, and Bobby had all so big that they scuffed the ground as he walked. <laughs> they didn't even let him try. They're going, oh, fuck, not again. Okay. They didn't even get into the race barely. What? The last president to ever challenge the CIA was Richard Nixon, and he didn't challenge. He just requested. We as presidents need more information. We need access, at least, please God, let us have some decision on me to know if I'm the one who's deciding what I need to know. And he kept pushing on this. Well, this, the CIA, as a show of how humane they were, did not just whack him, okay? Whacking Kennedy sent a message through the world, don't look with us. Getting Canada or getting Nixon to the point that he had to resign, which took a lot of work and set up robberies, all kinds of shit. Um, he had to resign. The CIA's message there was listen, you see, we are humane. We could have whacked him. It cost more and took more energy and time to get him out of office. But the message here, people, is you've already learned what to with us. Please understand, we don't want you to even annoy us. Is this clear? Well, you can clear everybody. Yeah, my friend. That's the end 
of any push against the CIA by Congress, the president, anybody in their right fucking mind except for me, but it is the CIA after me, after all. And in the past six months, Janice and I, since having to leave the U.S. just before the grand jury was convened to charge us with unspecified tax evasion crimes, um, we went to the Bahamas, were chased out of the Bahamas in this radical, unbelievable situation where the CIA had um, bribed, worked with, whatever, the extremely corrupt the chief of police for the country of the Bahamas, a guy named Paul Wolf. Um, I heard what was happening and they were coming. So me being me, I outed everything about him. His bank account, number, name of the bank, his deposit, his receipts, and left the country just before they came to collect it. The following day, we're on our way to Cuba. And in the, in the Nassau Bahamas newspaper's headline, Paul Rowe will sue John McAfee for defamation of character. We got to Cuba a month and a half later. The Cuban government calls Janice and I in um, and says, essentially, the U.S. government has requested that we return you to America. We are disinclined to do so. However, I am sorry to say, you must leave our country within 72 hours and never come back. I go, good God, there is a God. They could have just collectively turn me over to appease America, which at that time, six months ago, had warships off the coast of Cuba, for God's sake. So, no, they said, just get out of here, which it did. Went to the Dominican Republic, four and a half days at sea, and we fucking weather pulled in the harbor, and were surrounded by soldiers from the Dominican Republic not allowed to even talk to immigration or customs, so we could not declare our merchandise, including our weapons, which we always declare. Um, if they don't like it, they keep it till you leave and give it back. If they don't mind it, they would give it back and say, do not ever take it off the boat. It's as simple as that. They charged us with bringing illegal, bringing weapons into the country without declaring them. Now you tell me this is not a setup. They tried to keep us away from lawyers to thank God, two ambulance chasers who were working hard to get a client, okay? And I'm in all the news by now because Janice and I are in jail uh, and our entire staff were in jail in the Dominican Republic. They managed through some sneaky way to get a document to me which I signed, which made them my lawyers. At that point, everything changed um, because now this is going to go to court. And in court, they, by the way, they stupidly videoed everything they did, including us saying, please, we need to talk to customs. They said, no, not until we decide. They're internal security forces, I mean, the special forces, scary guys with trigger fingers and fully automatic weapons. But anyway, so after four days, they let us out. The head of immigration says, Mr. McAfee, you and your wife, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we are sending back to America. Well, that's against international law. I just came from Cuba. If you're going to deport me, you only have two options. The country I came from or the country I choose. I had a British passport at the time and still do. I, I'm a dual citizen. Got the British passport, but I demand to go to England. It's my home country. 
I mean, how can the court say, um, oh, no, whatever. Um, and they said, no, sir, you have to go to America. Well, that is a long story. I, I will not bore you with it. But basically, four hours later, we're on an airplane to England, and we've been treated like gods. And the reason is, is that my lawyers who were with me when they said, we're going to return to America, I said, forget everything else. I want to go to England. The only way I can do that is if you file a brief for the court, demanding that I have my day in court. Now, uh, if that were to happen, no court in the country or the world could turn it down. I'm in international news. I'm caught. Oh, no, we're not going to hear anything about it. Nobody does that shit. So they said, well, it's going to take two hours. And they already have Janice almost taking her out. In 20 minutes, we're going to get an airplane to America. And they said, we need two hours. And I go, two hours. Yeah, no fucking problem. Go to work. I went over to Janice and I said, do not panic about anything that I did next. Went back to the room where they were interrogating me. Fell on my face and went into convulsions. I was mimicking a stroke. Right? Best I could remember. Because I've done this on people who a heart attack. I thought, don't push your luck. And that was in Guatemala. In Guatemala yeah. prison, okay? But no, I thought it was a stroke. And things were going well. Unfortunately, they had a goddamn doctor there. Now, doctors know symptoms of strokes. And I've only read about a tiny part of them. And apparently, I was not exhibiting the proper ones. Because he kept getting closer and kept asking me all these strange questions. And I still did the best I could. The only thing I could remember is that in certain strokes, you can't work it on anything or anybody. You don't remember anything. Other, but you can speak and reason. So I was backing off from everybody, including, they bought Janice back, by the way, including my security staff, all the people I've been working with for the past four hours trying to get my ass not to go back to America. And in the end, I think he decided, you know, if I call his bluff, and he's not bluffing, what will happen to me if the papers tomorrow and the whole uh-huh. world is watching John McAfee died in immigration, was refused medical assistance. <laughs> Not a good look. <laughs> so they, t- they took me to the hospital. As soon as I got in the ambulance, I'm going, I've won. This is it. And they put me in the hospital. They, they, they were about to put Janice on an airplane, called her back. Uh, sent her to the hospital. But then now everybody's panicked. Even if this might be dies in our country, I mean, he has been in our fucking jails and they're not exactly who knows. Nothing will look good. Now everything's changed. So I stall and stall and stall until almost to the, the minute, two hours from the time I left the lawyers, came in waving a sheet of paper. Handed it to the head of immigration, immediately went into an office and made a bunch of frantic phone calls. Came back out and said, This actually, we're sending you to England wherever or wherever you want to go, then we will pay. You know, now, the big shit, if this does go to court, it will come out to the Dominican Republic and the world that I was set up. And it could not have been the Dominican Republic. Why the fuck would they set me up? Well, I've never been there. I mean, I've never even dated a woman in the Dominican Republic, so I could not have fucked some man's wife. So, no. Um, again, at the CIA. We came to England, and from that point, Janice and I decided, listen, honey, we are going underground. I am sick of this for the time being. Let's go under for six months a year, and we'll pop back up and start running from people again. 
And so that's what we did five months ago. We have not even told our family, our closest friends, the people who work for us, no one where we are. Uh, what was the question? See, you guys, let me, <laughs> you guys let me ramble incessantly. I don't understand. It's some fine rambling. So yeah, it's, it's like it's a you're a man of like a lot of like really interesting stories. So I don't want to interrupt. You know, I'm just I'm just taking it in. Um, uh, okay, but well, if you want an interesting story, okay, <laughs> would you mind would you mind if my wife joins me on this most interesting yeah, story bring, while we're means. in yes, while we're in the Dominican Republic, baby? Mm-hmm. Yes, in here now. <laughs> the, the more the merrier. Yeah, bring her in. Hang on. They said I'll just put the wrong end in my mouth. Okay, now then, what happened? Aha. Okay, so now I will start the story. Okay, so taking us into prison, I've, I've got $75,000 in cash in U.S. $100 bills stashed on my person. I mean, I, I am experienced enough in this. I can take a quarter of a million dollars on my person. And unless you give me a pat down, you're not going to see it. Well, and so this whole time, they have not patted me down. So they get us to the jail. It's now 11 o'clock at night in the jail. By the way, it's not a jail house. It's a bunch of huts with no glass windows and just iron bars, right? There's a junkyard across the street. There's no living human except some very ugly jail guards and other um, enforcement officials. So. We're out in the middle of the street, and they're asking, what do you have in your pocket? And so I said, I've got $75,000 in cash. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we're in the middle of the street with me, Janice, uh, uh, two of my security guards, two of my security guards, uh, a film documentarian who, thank God, was there and smuggled in a camera, uh, and the boat captain. So now... Um, we're in the middle of the street with just us, and everybody's have a fully automatic weapon. It's 11 o'clock at night. The only light is from a dim street lamp right above the street. That's why they moved a cardboard box into the middle of the street and had us stand around. And in deference to me, they went and got a chair for me, and I sat in front of the cardboard box and pulled out $75,000 in U.S. $100 bills. Now. Everybody's panicking. We're dead, mate. We're dead. But no. Listen, I've been through this more times I can count. The, the, the secret to these potentially dangerous situations is your fucking attitude. I mean, I used to deal drugs. Um, I was caught a couple of times, and um, especially in Mexico, saying that said we're taking all the drugs. I, I, you know, I just look and shake my head and go. Lo siento, senor. No es posible. Meaning, I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's not possible. I'm so sorry, my friend. It's just not possible. You know, and while you're doing that, make sure you're lighting a J. And after it's lit, pass it around to show I'm willing to share with you guys. But to say it with a tone like, my mother just died. I mean, like, it's a certainty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not going to happen to people. It's just not possible that you're going to walk away with this. Well, so, also, it doesn't hurt to be John Mack. <laughs> well, no, I didn't know who I was when I was dealing with it. Not almighty. So, uh, it's your attitude. And yes. so then you say, uh, Senor, 
Uh, I have um, a thousand pounds of cocaine here. I will give you an ounce. That's the best I can do. Now, what does that do? It puts in their mind the expectation that they had ain't going to happen. They don't question why. It says that you seem certain enough that they're not going to question. So now we're in the Dominican Republic. I pull it out and I count it and I say, I want a receipt. And they're looking at each other. I said, no, I want a receipt. I need it now while I can see the money. And I want you to count it for me so that no one can walk off with one of these bills. And I said it with such authority that these thugs, who I'm sure intended to kill us and take the money, suddenly go, who is this motherfucker? I mean, he ain't afraid. And he is pretty damn confident that we're not going to take one of those $100 bills. So what did they do? You take over the story, and I'm going to interrupt when, when, you, when, when this woman to... almost gets us all killed. So <laughs> Okay. Come back into the camera. Okay. Um, so they just, well, they ha- they counted the money, um, which took about an hour or so. <laughs> yeah, it took and, an hour um, because they there were three of them, and they all counted it each yes. twice. Okay. Yeah. But that's how concerned they were that nobody loses one of these hundreds of bills because whoever the motherfucker is, he is confident and unafraid. I, I suspect for now we should do the best thing and do as he said. And that's what happened. Now, let me get Janice in on this. Yeah, so Janice, tell that part of the story. <laughs> no, I am. That's why I wanted to tell it. Tell them about me. <laughs> uh, that's okay. But Janice, now Janice is not me in terms of how she approaches dangerous situations. Janice is, and in her experience, in her previous life on the streets, uh, has learned for her the best approach is, I will eat you alive right <laughs> now, you <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm beating around about, the bush. I'm yeah. just about finished with this negotiation, right? I'm just about finished. I've got them all convinced. If you take one of those, I don't have to say a word about what will happen. You guys certainly understand. If not, you're fucking idiots. And I did all that just through my attitude. Now, we're about done. They've got it. They're looking at each other. And everybody's now changed from looking at us as prey to making sure we're fucking comfortable, right? Um, We had mattresses in our goddamn jails. You don't know how rare that is in a third world country. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it was paper thin. And but but still, the mattress, a mattress nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still pretty good for a third world country. Brand new mattresses, right? I, I spent yeah. most of my time in third world jails sleeping on concrete floors on a giant out. It's the Ritz Carlton for me. <laughs> I mean, I walk with all smiles. I'm going, God damn, mattresses, guys, because I'm in with all of my friends there. In any case, I'm almost done with this, and we're getting treated fairly well. And Janice, who doesn't trust me yet, or you know how many times have we been through shit? Where I go, times, yes. I got this, Janice. Just let me be me. Well, no, she lost it, and she's now yelling fifteen <laughs> feet away as some sergeant over the fact that I'm tired of waiting around. <laughs> <laughs> Such a honus there, Janice. Fortunately, the guy speaks no English, right? Janice, no, but he understood. He understood the intent. They the all intent, understood. right? 
But she got into her mood that I I rarely see, whereas she really will try to chew off your nose within the next 10 seconds, I guarantee you. Well, see, <laughs> I was just making sure that they knew that you were serious because maybe they didn't understand. Maybe, that, okay. So. That, that, that might have been good because it, yeah, it didn't hurt much except the guys counting the money who were looking like something bad about to happen because we've never seen anything like this before in this goddamn jail with us fucking people who are the most brutal on earth so what the fuck is coming down this bitch is yelling <laughs> yes, <laughs> bold and unprecedented and, and her husband is over here and this husband is making us count the goddamn money something <laughs> bad is coming down what is it but i saw that the concern was not you know they're pissed off at janice but that this is so fucking unusual that something bad's got to happen. And I just kept calming everybody down. Sensual, tranquilo, tranquilo. It's supposed to be You know, going, I'm shaking my head. And then they're going, oh, yeah, right? Because this is a commonality in every fucking country in the world. But any man who's been married for more than six months, yes. it's like, me, me esposa. <laughs> tranquilo, tranquilo, and then finally they're nodding and sitting down. And I give Janice to stare like, listen, if they don't kill you, if you try this the next time, I swear to God, I will. Because we are <laughs> we are teetering on the abyss here, people. I don't know if anybody has noticed where the fuck we are and who okay. we're surrounded okay, with. But can I say this though? Yes. All right, because all of that, see, all of that was fine and dandy, but when they were trying to take us to some fucking apartment, some apartment that was way away from where our boat was to spend the night, and there was going to be nobody there. No, and it was a jail. Country, it was their way of was, putting people no, in jail. It was not, <laughs> but it was not a jail, okay? So we already knew what was going to happen that night. They were that's what they were planning that night. They had an yeah. unmarked an unmarked guy, an unmarked, uh, unmarked guard, police people, officer coming people to with take no us. Goddamn names on their no. and so because and so because of my you're not fucking doing anything. I don't want to do attitude. You know they backed off of that plan. So you're welcome. And by the and, way, by the way, when we left the Dominican Republic. And they had three people again count out exactly seventy-five thousand dollars in one hundred U.S. dollar bills, and handed it to me and made me sign a form saying I have received back <laughs> what you have taken from me. Janice, at that point, she's going, "Wow, <laughs> right? Yeah." So, listen, you know, it's attitude. It attitude is everything in life. Why? Because that's the only thing you can possibly control. You think you can control your circumstances, and I'm sorry, you cannot. But you take a circumstance, and you choose an attitude, and you be that attitude, and miracles happen. This is not the first time I've done shit like this. Okay? I mean, the, when I, the times I've gotten caught trafficking, you know, in Mexico, you don't go to jail. Not if you have either the drugs or the money. You give the money or the drugs, and then they say, thank you, goodbye. Um, you know, unless you're on a dark road in Stradivarius, then they take your money and the drugs and your truck and don't even give you a spare home and say so you've got five minutes to get out of our sight. That, other than that. Um, so it's, the issue is then, well, fuck me, this is a goddamn negotiation. You know they're not going to arrest you. Why? they got to take your ass downtown where you will divulge to their boss 
exactly how much money he had or drugs, and therefore they're not going to get anything but bosses. Or they can kill me. And for drug dealing, especially for Americans, you don't really want to kill them. You know, you want to disable them by taking their money, their car, or drugs, or or somehow scare them into a negotiation. So you know that you went off the bat, you're in control. You're not going to kill me. I'm not on the dark road, in which case you don't want to argue with me. What do you want? It's yours. What are you near a town? Oh, fuck no, this is mine. Let's talk about it. So like I said, you're carrying 100 pounds of cocaine, offer them an ounce. It puts in their head. Whoa. Can't really think of the whole thing. This dude is tough. <laughs> so, and then they'll laugh, oh, senor, senor. And then you'll talk something about, said, you know, the only reason he caught me is because I was going down to the village to uh, see Crusita, you, you know, Crusita. And you got to know Crusita in that village. Um, and uh, they're laughing, so they all know Crusita, right? And so pretty soon they're almost friends. And you better expect to give up 10% of either the cash or the money or both. It's not bad. You keep 90% and on your way. That's one approach. If you know a country well, and this is what I used to do, uh, like in Belize, here's how things work. And I've been to Belize, by the way, many, many times before I moved there. So this is in the old days. Uh, in Belize, everybody's corrupt, mostly the police, and the chief of police is the most. There are no chiefs of police in certainly third world Latin American countries that don't do, do don't um, uh, use drugs as their means of uh, making money. You know, they they are the biggest dealers. So, and I've tried this a couple of times. Get stopped, checkpoint, the check. Oh, senor, senor. I go, yep. <laughs> you know, uh, you know. I'm sorry to have to bother you with this, but you know, I'm I'm delivering them for uh, Commissioner Wright. Oh. Now, you have to know that Commissioner Wright really is dealing drugs, and 99% of the time they are. But if they are, you know this cop on the road knows that they are. Okay, so I'm delivering from him. I'm delivering the drugs for his boss, who would have him roasted alive if he ever did anything against his boss. So, well, how do you know the commissioner? Well, he's a good friend of mine. And then you pull out a phone, and in there you actually have the commissioner's name. Open it. Why don't you call him yourself and ask him how he knows me? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it takes balls, right? And it takes attitude. And you just get through. Um, how do we get the fuck off on drug dealing? <laughs> Not, this oh, is you fun. said you had a great story, and it, and it certainly was one. Yeah, oh, that was a- my apologies, yes. But uh, that would be this sort of okay. assertion of will. Um, <laughs> Brings to mind this this sort of virtue of uh, masculinity, which is uh, something that's kind of in the air as far as yeah. uh, some kind of demonization. Thereof. Excuse me, one second. I, I'm yeah. oh, okay. Well, you had a question, sort of about this. Yeah, I, I guess as far as um, uh, this uh, the story you went off on, it kind of comes back to uh, if I may say so myself, sir. You're a uh, you're a very masculine guy in the best way possible, um, <laughs> in a very good way. It's like a Don Juan, like, you know, sw- swaggering, uh, like, badass guy that is almost, like, lost in the world now. Um, 
So I just, okay, let me tell you, let me tell you guys the truth, uh-huh. I, so that you can I can burst that fucking blood. I'm 74 years old. I can barely walk anymore because I blew my knees out in a hurricane 12 years ago. Um, you know, every part of my body aches. I don't let it stop me. Uh, I'm not going to be a fucking wimp in two old age. I promise you that. Nevertheless, this is my reality. You know, I can't even run anymore. You know, uh, so please burst that bubble. <laughs> Well, even even so, uh, I, I guess like the outspokenness and the confidence that you project is very, uh, I don't know, it seems rarer in the world. Well, then again, I don't know, like looking at the past, it seems like people used to be more confident. Maybe maybe not so. Maybe you would, you probably know more than I would about that. But um, well, just confidence, look- confidence comes from one thing and one thing only, and that's being self. If, you, for example, you wake up in the morning on a Monday and it's a work day and you have to go to work and you're just not looking forward to it, and yet you do it, in any case, you are not confident in yourself. It's obvious. If you were, you'd go, I don't want to do this. I'm an, I'm an, I'm an adult. Why am I doing it? And stop in the story. That's confidence because you're not worrying about consequences. No income, no asphalt, whatever. Wife may divorce me. Well, yeah, I want to do the seven years, thank God, anyway. And and that's it. You don't worry about it. You do know that because you are who you are, whatever comes through that door of the future is something you will deal with just fine. That, my friends, is content. Yeah, and I think I well, I think those traits play well to like an entrepreneur. Uh, it's like you don't fall into these systems that are built up. Um, I, I guess those attitudes like lend themselves well to like your lifestyle, um, which is which is a you know I, I am I am an envy of. So hopefully, hopefully, I can get to your level when I'm your age. You can get to your level when you're your age, my friend. By, hey, just being true, by being true to yourself. <laughs> you got a question? Um, well, maybe that brings me to a question about, uh, do you have any survival tips for all of the uh, wage, wage slaves of the world out there? The nine to yeah, fivers? I, I, I've got more survival tips than I can count if we discount cryptocurrency. The survival tips are that you survive far better in every way. A more exciting life, a more adventurous life, a more luxurious life, if that's what you want, by doing what you love rather than what you think will bring you the most money. Because if you become a slave to mammon, the god of money, I tell you what, mammon is the worst of the slave masters. So, um, do what you love people on. And, and nothing else. Nothing else at all. That will, that will free you. And I, I thank you very much for, for unfortunately running over. And um, I have en- I've enjoyed very much being with you. If you want to continue this sometime, please schedule to uh, Mrs. McAfee. Absolutely. Um, thank you. Thank you for speaking with us. Um, and welcome. I hope, yeah, I hope you. Uh, I hope you end up. Ha- I, I have one. If if you have time for one more question, just a really quick one. You bet. Do it. Okay, this is a very goofy question, but um, 
I don't know if you've, of course, uh, there's a lot of rumors that go around online in different circles that uh, involve you that you may or may not be aware of. But you had tweeted, you had tweeted about Joe Rogan uh, being at a Bangkok hotel. That was um, a joke. If, if that was not a joke, you tell me what is. I mean, involving. Oh, man. Man, no, no, no. I would, oh, please, I was, God. I've made it so extreme that it had to be a joke. I don't. Even if it is Joe Rogan and I, okay. No, I was, hoping, I was hoping you were going to run with it. I was hoping I was going to get a good John McAfee prank out of that. But, uh, no, that, that, prank, that, that prank was too long ago, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anybody who's been to Bangkok knows. They will not allow you to bring an animal into a room if there's more than one person sleeping in it because they suspect that every other sexual act is perfectly legal that you're probably doing something with this animal without the animal's consent and therefore you can't do it. So to say that we had more conspicuous than sheep, and I thought yeah, that would certainly make it better. Anyway, <laughs> I have one one quick one that I think would be a, a better to close on here, which is uh, <clears throat> I'm wondering what you would describe as being the single most uh, mind altering experience of your life. Yeah. Are you going to include drug experiences or not? Absolutely. Oh, well, then it's a piece of fucking cake. Um what year was it? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm managing the entire programming department for the Missouri Pacific Railroad. Um, I'm heavy with where we talk in the world. Um, someone brings me a powder. They say that it's uh, MDA. Not MDMA. Not, not excessive, but MDA. Look it up. Pretty powerful shit. Um, Never heard of it, but in those days, 1973, two, seventy-two. Um, for me, people find anything, and you hand it to them, and they go, "Oh, you eat it, shove it up your ass, smoke it, or oh, it's fun." Okay, uh, so um, took the normal dose. Nothing happened. Keep in mind, I'm on everything LSD, and what at the time I'm trying it, so I nothing happened. Try it again, I had to try it again. I took a massive fucking overdose before it kicked in. No one told me that it takes time after half an hour. Um, when it kicked in, I, I lost contact with, it, with reality to an extent that three months later, I was uncertain about what parts of my reality uh, were actually my own hallucinations, which I finally learned to ignore, and which were actually real. Now, I couldn't work during that time. I thank God my wife and mother decided not to hospitalize me because I'd still be in the hospital on other drugs that I didn't like. Boy. <coughs> um, and during that time, I can't describe this to you properly. I lived lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. I'd be in a lifetime and marry different women and things would happen, get different jobs and I'd be standing in line at the bank or something, and bang, I'm back sitting on a sofa in St. Louis, Missouri, hallucinating out of my fucking mind. And that has been the only persistent part of, of the after effects of over 30, 40 years ago. And that is, I still get this feeling sometimes. 
someone's going to tap me on the shoulder. I'm going to turn around. I'll be back. So I'm hallucinating out of my mind. And I'll tell you a little anecdote. In 1996, in a little park called the Water, I had a retreat. I had a lot of money in the bank. Thank God for that. Went to the bank, was standing in line. They had these little calculators there. And I took uh, took the chemist playing with it, square root functions, square root of one, square root of two, square root of three, square root of four, square root of five. And it was the first five digits of my social security number. Right now, two, two, three, six, oh. That doesn't mean the whole thing. At that moment, I knew I was going back. I grabbed onto the counter, screaming, No! And the bank manager came out, ushered me into his office, people freaking out and leaving the bank. But thank God I had millions of dollars in that bank. He managed to smooth all of that over, calm me down, not without asking a single question about Mr. McAfee. You know, are you on drugs? Uh, can we help you? Do you need the, you know, medical assistance? I'm going, no, no, I'm sorry. You know, it's an old war injury. And so, um, without any further explanation, because they're not going to ask anything any deeper. I don't want to know. Really. So that little that was the last time it happened, and I pray it doesn't happen again. So now you all out there know, yes, this magazine is fucking crazy. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Okay. Right here. Well, keep puffing tough out there. Thank you, sir. Yeah, Indeed. stay safe. We'll all see right. you in the future. Maybe a Christmas right. episode. Bye-bye. All right. See you, John. So long. Um, well that was a trip yeah i really want to smoke weed now yeah yeah not uh not dank minge but uh whatever he was smoking there if i was haunted by dreams of being drugged back to st louis um it'd be a pretty miserable existence well it's been said if one is blessed with the choice between wealth and fame always choose wealth he's got it both i guess Let's get it good and hard. Happy Thanksgiving. This is the Exile Hour. Thanks for listening. Stay thankful and stay fucked. Thank you for listening to the Exile Hour. Please tune the next episode for another very special guest. We appreciate your patronage. If you have any suggestions for future guests, hate mail, blackmail, or another type of message, please do not hesitate to write to the Exile Hour at ProtonMail.com. As always, be safe, be vigilant, and keep listening.